This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about all things franchising. This topic's maybe a little bit on the fringes of traditional marketing and branding discussions and things you've come to expect from us, but we find it super interesting, so we wanted to cover it. And also, we think it's relevant because many people are looking to change careers post-COVID. They're really taking a minute to take a step back and re-examine what they want to be doing versus perhaps the career that they're in or start a second career or just invest in new opportunities. So this is a topic that we feel like is coming more into focus and being more on the forefront. And it's also a way for aspiring entrepreneurs to be able to take a leap tied to a franchise. So for all of those reasons, we wanted to cover this topic. And Anne is going to tell us what a franchise is. Yes. So what is a franchise exactly? And like April said, we'd like to define these things just to make sure we're all on the same page so that we can all be talking from the same playbook as we go through this podcast. And a franchise is a license right granted by a company to an individual or group that allows them to market and sell that company's products and services under their brand. So sometimes examples help with this, and we're going to have a ton of examples. But just to kind of like set this up as we begin, think about like a lot of the restaurant chains. A lot of the restaurant chains are franchises. A lot of gyms are franchises. Um, I used to work on Tide, as everybody knows, and we had Tide Dry Cleaners. Tide Dry Cleaners are franchises. So that helps give you a little bit of a context for what a franchise is. Yep. And one final and very important thing before we dive right in, we have a special guest today, Lance Grolick. And Lance is the founder of Ion Franchising and a serial franchisee junkie himself. He's built many brands and franchises from the ground up, including Wingstop, where he was a multi-unit franchisee, Krispy Kreme Donuts, where he was a multi-state franchisee, and then completely by himself, Pink Box Donuts in Las Vegas. So welcome, Lance, and please introduce yourself. Well, thank you, ladies. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here with you. And uh, yes, Lance Gralick, I am a been called a serial entrepreneur. I'm sure I've been called worse, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what this show is about. Um, so people always seem to talk to me about, well, they ask the question, how did you become who you are? And I like to take it all the way back. I'm going to be 55 this year. Yeah, we're recording this? 55. (laughs) But a long time ago, uh, both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. So it's the whole nature versus nurture argument. Uh Is is it your environment that makes somebody an entrepreneur? Well, certainly that can be for sure. But I would like to say in my family, when you look at only entrepreneurs your entire life and wonder why they never have a boss, they work when they want to work. (laughs) I kind of like that. I like that schedule. (laughs) So, but I honestly thought I was going to work on Wall Street for my father's company. And that's what I aspired to do uh, almost my entire uh, life until I did it throughout the summers in high school, did it when I first got out of college, working on a trading desk. And they were the largest over the counter trading house on Wall Street. And then I realized, you know, I think there are other opportunities out there that I'm better suited for. This is kind of boring. Can make a lot of money, and that's wonderful. Yes, you can. But I think I want to do something I rather enjoy more. And I like the people side of things. 
So I got into the restaurant business. I had another relative that was building a large TGI Fridays franchise on the West Coast. So I left New York, New York City, Long Island, all the areas I was uh, hanging out in and uh, moved way across the country to Arizona, uh, Phoenix area, and helped build a TGI Fridays franchise from four stores that we purchased to over 225 million a year, mainly through acquisitions. Now, ladies, can you imagine 225 million a year in the late eighties? That was when a beer, I think was about $2 and 50 cents. Not unhappier. So that's, (laughs) that's a lot of product and a lot of, a lot of business, a lot of, a lot of potato skins. If you remember TGI Fridays, (laughs) good old days. So uh, for me, I really knew, although I worked on Wall Street for dad and his company, I I knew I wanted to be my own boss. I had grandfather that was a real estate attorney and, you know, was buying buildings and doing real life monopoly type stuff. And then I had the other grandfather that had his supermarket chain that he built. And he was an immigrant from Poland that I couldn't even understand what he said most of the time. So I'm like, (laughs) well, I have an advantage. I speak English. So you know, I could take his brain power that I hopefully was given through genetics and my father's and my mom, she was a school principal, super bright. Uh, and I said, let me do this on my own somehow. Mm-hmm. But how do people do things on their own? And let's let's kind of set the table here. The reality in entrepreneurship, whether you like it or not, there's really just a few options out there. And what I mean by that is there's a million options, but there's a few major categories. Number one, you have real estate. You have all these real estate investors and buying, you know, real estate, um, you know, rental properties. Whether you're doing fix and flips, buy and holds, what have you. Then you have Wall Street. You know, you can be a day trader. Although mm-hmm. Dad never advised that. Uh, you know, you, his license plate was blue chip. His other license plate was <laughs> stock doc. So no go after those, way. Absolutely. Wow. Go after those blue chip companies, go after those, you know, long-term strategies. You know, if you would have bought Facebook, if you would have bought Amazon at the right time, if you would have bought Tesla at the right time and, and hold it, don't, don't be a crazy day trader. But the third piece of this sort of triad, if you will, is business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can own your own business. Yep. And, and what I learned early on with TGI Fridays and even before I wasn't sure, but TGI Friday solidified it for me. Now, wait a second. I could actually, I could actually do a franchise. Somebody else is up at night figuring all the systems out. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, what is the definition of the fran- of a franchise? Use somebody else's name, somebody else's system, trademark, et cetera, something they've worked hard to prove out that it works. And the show is really about marketing as well. And, and, and obviously, they have a name that they can market that people would know and people would gravitate towards mm-hmm. and they want to be associated with. And, you know, they heard it was great in Kansas. Why wouldn't it be great in Phoenix? Mm-hmm. So for me, franchising was a way to really, well, I hate to say it, not work that hard. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. I love the transparency. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, John Asaraf, John Asaraf, I could always, I always butcher his name. He's a big mindset coach. And John Asaraf, he's all over the place. And one of the amazing things that he said, 
And he was a Remax guy. He made a lot of money as a Remax franchisee, you know, selling real estate. And he loved it. And what he always said is, make it easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Determine, and I know we're going to dive into this pretty deep, but determine the what. Forget about the how you're going to make money. Forget about the industry you're going to make money. But determine the what based on your resources. You know, and the, and the what is defined as, well, what is your investment level today? How many people out there have bought a house? Well, you don't buy a $2 million house right away, necessarily, unless mm-hmm. you're a child actor star, maybe. <laughs> but you typically get a starter home. Well, it's okay to get a starter business. Yep. So mm-hmm. determining what your investment level is first, what kind of role are you going to play? Are you going to be an owner-operator? Are you going to be a semi-absentee owner? You know, what kind of lifestyle? I've had people yell to me through the phone, I don't want employees. I want to only do a home-based business. So anyway, that's me just kind of throwing it all out there. That's <laughs> the stuff that we have to discuss today, ladies. And I think that's perfect. I think that's a good setup for where we're going to go. And I think you're right. I mean, when you find the business that's right for you, you it is more fun than work. And mm-hmm. You do make it easier on yourself. And so with that, we'll jump into finding the right franchise for you or even deciding what part of franchising is right for you to the point of your setup. So the first one here is get clear on why you want to have a franchise. So what is that core motivation? And Lance, you kind of set this up and mentioned this, but you know, why do you want to have the franchise in the first place? And well, getting <laughs> I'm laughing already. Keep oh. going. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, what, are you, what are you laughing at me for? <laughs> it's not you. I'm laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> All right. So three things to consider. Are you following a passion? Are you hoping to make a lot of money? Do you eventually want to own multiple franchises and scale from there? They're not necessarily mutually exclusive, right? But it's important to be driven by your why when you do make the decision. So, for example, you might love bagels, but it may not be a business that you can make a lot of money on if that's your primary goal. Or on the other hand, an emergency cleaning service could be highly profitable, but it might not be shiny enough for you or a personal passion. So We re- say sexy. Okay. Oh, so we'll bring the sexy back. Okay. All right. We'll bring the sexy back. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so in any case, you know, you really have to think about what is it about the franchise that you want to do and get clear on that. You know, you heard a lot of talk in the upfront about just wanting to be your own boss. That's part of it. But then you have to think about what is the business behind it. In this case, when we think about that three-prong approach or three different options you can have when it comes to business, you got to be more clear than just, I want to be my own boss. And you have to make some of these decisions upfront. And Lance, I know part of your role now, which you haven't really introduced, is to help people figure this out and help them identify really honestly their core motivation. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yes. Thank you very much. So these days, after all of my experiences owning various franchises, franchises, creating my own business, um, businesses, selling my own businesses, I realized that I need to share my story. And one of the best ways to really share my story is to be a franchise broker. Mm -hmm. Most people know what a real estate broker is. And in this case, it's quite similar, except it's for franchises. And by the way, you can avoid a real estate commission by not using an agent. But in the world of franchising, whether you use me or not, you pay the same franchise fee. Mm. So that is good to know. So I am truly a free advocate 
for anybody looking to find a business, a lot of people don't know it's a franchise, but they want to find a business opportunity for themselves. So many people think that franchising is expensive. They think of McDonald's, as you mentioned, or restaurants. And you do have to be a millionaire owned some of those franchises, but there are tons of franchises under $100,000 where you could put down 25% get financing, especially through the Small Business Administration, and boom, you're in business. So I am a franchise broker. I represent probably more brands than anybody in America, and I help you for free. You don't have to worry about not sleeping in the middle of the night and rolling over and hitting your keyboard or your phone (laughs) and having 7,000 people contact you because while you were half asleep and you decided you hated your boss even more than the day before and you want to become your own boss and you start hunting and pecking for the right franchise on Google at one o'clock in the morning and you're giving everybody under the sun your email address and your phone number, well, they're all going to track you till the end of time because because they want your business. Well, I will be that gatekeeper where nobody's going to contact you until you tell me, you know what, I'm interested in that brand. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. So let's get to your most immediate question on, you know, why a franchise? And that's very, very easy. The average person does not truly have an idea where they can raise their hand and say, I have an idea that's brilliant and I need to give birth to this brand Mm -hmm. or concept. Mark Zuckerberg did it with Facebook. Michael Dell did it with Dell Computer. You know, most people don't have ideas that they're that proud of that they really want to, no matter what, just basically create and do and work hard at all on their own. So franchising is the next best option for the majority of America that truly has no idea what they want to do. And franchising, while there are people that are quite passionate about certain things, I have people all the time that call me and say, Lance, I only want a restaurant. And what do you think I ask first? Well, well, why? Mm-hmm. Well, I heard they make great money. I heard it's a lot of fun. I get to feed my family. Okay, well... Not all those things are exactly true. (laughs) You can certainly feed (laughs) your family. But the reality is I had a couple recently, the gentleman wanted to do a restaurant and he was on the phone by himself in the first call. And I said, oh, I hear you're married. So what does your wife do? Well, she's an accountant. Oh, (laughs) is she a a CPA? In fact, she's a CPA. Okay, great. My immediate thought is exactly why you both laughed. Accountant <laughs> probably doesn't want to do a restaurant. No, she does not. <laughs> so are you open to something else? And they ended up with a restoration concept that is proven, about $180,000 investment, where it's proven you'll net over $350,000 a year. Boom. Just GPA like that. likes that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Done. It was easy once they latched onto that one because it's a fantastic brand. But, you know, it is about getting clear. I need to get people clear on what they want. Some people get way too hung up on what industry, basically, as John Asaraf would say, the how. Don't get too concerned about the how before you figure out the what. Mm-hmm. What is the investment level? It's kind of like looking for a house. Let's get you pre-qualified if you if you want 
if you want a loan, let's get you pre-qualified. Let's determine your investment level. What is your role? I had a great gentleman call me not too long ago that said he was going to be the owner-operator of a brand, had a lot of money to invest. But guess what? He realized he, in the end, he didn't want to leave his job. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's your choice. There are tons of franchises where you can be the owner-operator, which is what your initial intention was. You can also be the investor. I have plenty of semi-absentee type businesses. And that's typically defined as about 10 hours a week mm-hmm. on the business, mm-hmm. but you need to hire a manager. And in some businesses, that manager might have to have some equity. They might have to have some skin in the game. Yep. Fast Signs, for example, very famous, successful franchise that most of the listeners probably have seen somewhere near their house. Fast Signs, you have to be the owner-operator. Mm. And if not, whoever's running it has to have equity, probably at least 10% equity in the business. So defining the what? The lifestyle. I had a guy call me recently that said, uh, I don't want any staff. I want to do something all on my own. I don't want the headache of employees anymore. Uh, I prefer something that fits my lifestyle of a nine to five type business. And guess what? Brands like Schooly Mitchell I have are fantastic for that. $68,000 investment, home-based. Dennis, the founder of Schooly Mitchell, former CPA, he realized that basically they're vendor watchdogs. He realized his clients, I mean, we know there's two ways to make more money in a business, right? Number one, you increase revenue. And number two, you decrease expenses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Dennis realized that most of his clients, didn't matter how big or small they were, were never really focused on minimizing their expenses or bidding out certain things. And Dennis created a company that does that for a living. And it's an incredible franchise. There's franchisees that net a million dollars a year on a $68,000 investment. There's a franchisee that sold their franchise. I think the record sale for one of his franchises is $1.6 million wow. off of Crazy. a $68,000 investment. So, so that is on the what, on the clarity, I love to say clarity is currency. Clarity is currency. Mm-hmm. I need to get you really clear on what you want. Forget about the industry. Tell me what you want. Lance, I hate people. Great. Got it loud and clear. <laughs> well, <laughs> hate people. So that you want work. a daycare. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, people are, kids are great. People are older people. No, no good. And once they're over 12, they're no good. No. So I do want to get people really clear on what it is for their lifestyle. People that have worked so many nights and weekends for the first 20, 30 years of their life might want something that is a complete different change due to their kids growing up or whatever it is. So getting them really clear on what it is that they want to do. And then we start diving into the how. Well, and I think that that is a good segue to this next point, which is choose the role you want to play in the franchise. And you mentioned a little bit 
of this in your commentary. But I think after you become clear on that what, as you call it, and you know the reason that you're doing this, then you do have to define the role that you specifically want to play within the franchise. And so you've mentioned a couple of these situations, right? Like, are you going to be highly active and engaged in the day-to-day? Are you running the show? Are you yes. on the ground manager? Or do you want to be a completely hands-off CEO or board member or investor or just the owner? You know, do you want to be the boss of a team like the guy you just talked about that wanted no people? That's, you know, kind of the other option. You want to be a one man show Um, and, and really thinking through that. And then once you align on that role, I think, you know, this will help you choose the right business and the right company, but also set the expectations clearly in your mind early on that reinforce that what that you decided to do. And then also create your business plan for all the things that come after. So, you know, size comes into effect if you don't want to have employees, right? Location, like your guy that wanted to work at home and, you know, not have to go into the office or all of that racket every day or the nine to five, you know, what are those different things that play a part in the role you will play to create this new reality for yourself? Absolutely. Very well said. It it could be as simple as I have an amazing flooring franchise. It's in the flooring business, obviously. (laughs) And all they do, do, I I just want to make sure you were paying attention. All they do though, all they do is flooring install, mm-hmm. flooring install only. They mm-hmm. don't have a warehouse. It's home-based. They work with subcontractors that will learn their system. There's no inventory involved. But the reason I bring this up, first of all, it's only a, basically a $75,000 investment for one territory. An average franchisee is netting over $214,000 a year on a $70, $75,000 investment. And, and you're doing flooring install. Mm-hmm. That's it. So what the reason I bring this up, there are people that I bring to that franchise and say, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do the sales. Well, mm-hmm. you don't have to do the sales. You can hire somebody to do the sales. And, and, and that comes back to defining the role. Yeah. I lead people into that sort of next position after we get really sort of clear on what it is they want without any emotion attached to it. Don't attach an industry to what you want. What kind of income do you want to make? What kind of income do you have to replace? You know, what kind of bills do you have? Do you have an expensive spouse? (laughs) My first one was quite expensive. That's why she's no longer here. And I have a second one who is amazing. So... (laughs) She we are really like, getting to know Lance today. <laughs> she looks high maintenance, but she is not, which is amazing. So, so you know, what is the role that you intend on taking on in your franchise is incredibly important. And here's the good news. It can change. Mm. There are people, I tell people the way I like to do things is I like to get my hands really dirty in the beginning for the first six to eight months sometimes even longer. And then I kind of release. I always make jokes, release, relinquish, rescind, (laughs) you know, let somebody else do some of the everyday things that I don't necessarily normally, I don't have to do anymore. But, but defining roles and responsibilities is crucial and it could absolutely change. It could be part of your business plan, but where 
where some future franchisees, you know, a lot of times people ask me, well, are all franchisees successful? And the answer is no. And, but the answer to that question is as simple as name the last restaurant you went to that was a full service type restaurant, whether it was a franchise or a mom and pop. And, and did you have, you know, if you're a regular there, you get to figure out that there's one or two servers that are your favorites. Mm -hmm. And there's a few that if you sit in their station, you're like, oh my gosh, get me out of this station. They're the worst <laughs> server here. Oh yeah. Franchising. Well, there you go. Franchising is no different, but you always ask yourself, well, why? Well, it's possible that the worst franchisee in a system, whether it's McDonald's or anything for that matter, a home improvement brand, maybe when they came into the franchise, they're life was different than it is maybe now, and their role might have changed. I'm not making excuses for them, but the reality is life changes. Life happens. Yep. And sometimes people can't take on the full-time responsibility like they intended, and all of a sudden, let's just say the, the wheels fall off the wagon. Yep. But, but understanding what you're getting yourself into, franchising is perfectly perfectly set up for somebody to have their eyes wide open to really understand what they're getting themselves into. There's a franchise disclosure document that every franchisee gets. It's got 23 items to it. It's disclosing all kinds of helpful information. Most brands even have an earnings claim. An earnings claim might just be sales, might have profitability, might have some sort of P&L, but uh, for example, I have a, a well-known staffing brand that has almost 900 locations in the U.S. And they say that a mature office will do over, call it five and a half million in sales. Well, it's pretty incredible on $150,000 investment. Yep. Even if you net 10%, you're making $550,000 a year. So you know, an FDD, the franchise disclosure document, your eyes are wide open to the financial aspects. And then you get further into the process with Discovery Day, which we can talk about later. And the last piece is the validation step. Those are the things that we'll still get to today. So anybody listening can understand there's a system established to the franchise selection process that the brand is going to put you through, but I'm also going to put you through to make sure you make the right selection. In a way, it could be like choosing a spouse. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> I was going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're going off topic here. But well, I think Choosing a spouse is much harder, trust <laughs> me. Well, and I know, too, as you know, if people think about the franchise, I know one thing that they're super concerned about, and hopefully you can speak to this, too, is the fact that there seems to be such a lack of workers right now, yeah. um, like way more jobs than you know, they could seem to find people to fill. Can you speak to like how that it's impacting the way that you are guiding people and choosing franchises or what's the overall impact in general with yeah. franchises and in, in, in how people are responding to that? Well, to be perfectly honest, for years, I'm in Las Vegas and I've heard it for years when people will come into my restaurants and say, you know, how do you find such great people? Mm -hmm. I've always had difficulty finding great people. And I've heard that forever. Now, the reality is, uh, I don't find my, I, I don't have people find me. Like, uh, let's just say through Indeed or all these online searches, I like to through word of mouth find my team. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I and I believe wholeheartedly in that. And these days, coming through a pandemic, where not to get political, but the reality is it is difficult, which is why you asked the question. It is more difficult to find staff today than it has been in quite quite a long time, if not ever. And really, it comes down to company culture. It comes down to being the employer of choice in a franchise system. The franchisor obviously becomes aware of whatever the pain points are of the franchisee. Could also be we could also be talking about products today. You know, if you're uh, in certain businesses, it's harder to you know commodities, whether it's a restaurant business or home improvement, and there's certain supplies or steel or lumber. These are issues that we're dealing with today that maybe we haven't dealt with before, but the franchisor takes it upon themselves. Franchisor is corporate and they are taking it upon themselves to come up with better systems on how to hire better, how to attract the right people. So maybe potentially the mom and pop restaurants, if it's a restaurant franchise are having a harder time. Yeah. And one of the ways I'll give you an example, you know, uh, in the salon business, as an example, People coming right out of, the, out of school, out of uh, beautician school or cosmetology school. You know, why wouldn't a franchise sort of get in bed with those schools? And the same thing with all the trades. Yeah. If there's an air conditioning refrigeration franchise, get those apprentice, apprentice I, is that a word? Apprentices, <laughs> apprentices, get them right out of school. So, and get them right into your franchise system with you know, and, and money is not everything. You know, there are studies upon studies where it's the environment, it's this, it's your supervisor, it's yep. the people you're working with. But then again, a lot of people are just throwing money out there and paying a little bit more. And what happens? We all know what happens. Supply and demand. It's pure, it's simple economics. If you pay people more, then the customer ends up paying more. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's okay. That's what happens these days, sadly. No, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, Anne's was a good question to ask because it is very timely. And and I think you've just hit on another benefit of being part of a franchise, right? It's not all on you. So Mm -hmm. a mom and pop restaurant, it is all on them versus from the franchise standpoint, you get that support. And so I think- Well, let me me further uh, put an exclamation point on that exact point you just made too, which is when the pandemic first hit, I had- Many franchise brands that called their attorney, their CPA, whatever professional experts they have in their corner as a franchisor, and said, we're hearing about this PPP money and this economic Mm -hmm. income disaster loan money. What can we do? What do you suggest we do? We want to help our franchisees. And there were quite a few brands that rallied their resources together, and before you know it, Every one of the franchisees is getting big, fat PPP checks, Mm. all because the franchisor used their resources to ensure that they were well taken care of. Pretty incredible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. We have point three, which is create criteria that will help you decide the type of franchise. And I I think you've heard us just in this most recent commentary talk about some of the really important support points that you – the things you get for – from a benefit standpoint. Um, But, you know, to bring it home to really what types of things people think about, right? Restaurants are always top of mind. And 
we've talked already on the show about the fact that there are lots of other things out there, which Lance says, you know, that aren't as sexy. So I'll use his terminology. Um, but <laughs> home, home care, yeah. amazing business, not <laughs> yeah, sexy. Yeah. Plumbers, electricians, you know, all of yeah. those different things. But I think that after the initiator or future owner of the franchise gets clear on why they want one and what role they're going to play, then quickly it comes into the the point of deciding what are the criteria for selecting a business. And I know, Lance, this is a huge part of what you do. And I think it is important to note that you're not getting paid to do so, because I think that's a dangerous situation where you're just trying to, you know, kind of put butts in seats, right? Like this franchise needs and, you know, I have this guy and we're just going to put them together. (laughs) But I think spending the time to get that criteria really solid before ever starting to talk about what type of business it's going to be is immensely important, not only because you can find out other franchise opportunities that you didn't know about, but because it then makes the match that much tighter when you go into things like you said, your discovery day or actually deciding to move down the path with one or a couple of these opportunities. Absolutely. It's it's really just keeping the emotion out of it. Yep. Keep keep the emotion completely out of it. And I'll tell you a story. I have a friend who owns quite a few franchise hair salons. Mm. And he worked with a consultant well before I met him. Uh, I only met him probably eight, nine years ago. He's been in business about 13. And I recall the story of a consultant like me basically telling him that he should do uh, a franchise hair salon. And here's a guy with no hair and (laughs) has no idea how to cut hair. So, you know, he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But the reality is at some point later, he realized, well, wait a second. The consultant gave this to me because it fit my criteria. It fit my what? Mm -hmm. And his what was that he wanted a $200,000 SBA loan. He was going to put his 25% down. And he wanted something that potentially he could grow and scale. And in the long run, didn't have to spend much time doing and boy, you talk about his vision board. It came true 100%. He's got, uh, he's, he makes a fortune. He's got a million and a half dollar net income uh, or cash flow that he's, he's pulling down. And he hasn't had to work hard in years because he has a whole team in place. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially rolled over his money time and time again. But initially, he's like, what are you, what are you nuts? So he <laughs> never would have ever gone into me asking for, or anyone asking for a salon. Right. But then he realized, which is why you use a consultant. It's why any company hires a consultant. You're getting an expert opinion outside your sphere of, you know, your, your sphere of knowledge. You, you don't, this isn't what you do. And, you know, there are some people I talk to that home care is perfect for them. I'm, I'm doing a home care deal right now with somebody And he seemed to fit that. I got lucky right away when we initially started talking about it. But typically speaking, I don't even talk about categories or industries until after I start doing presentations of brands, Mm -hmm. where it might be an initial presentation of four or five brands. But one of the things I want to mention that is incredibly helpful as a good foundation for this process, I have a free, uh, really scientific assessment on my website that helps analyze, it's about 10, 15 minutes, depending on how quick or 
quick or not, you're doing to do, answer these questions. And it helps me understand your mindset, skill set, life experiences. Uh, it also actually helps me define your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The more comfortable you are <laughs> and the larger your comfort zone, <laughs> the 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 less likely you are that you're going to be looking at, at a smaller emerging brand. You want something pretty well established. Your, your risk-taking ability is not... Uh, you know, you haven't mastered that, so to speak. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But these are things that uh, I also ask a whole bunch of questions. Sometimes I can get it all done in 25 minutes. It could take me an hour and a half. So all of this rolled together, I start digging. I do all the territory checks because it doesn't, if you're in Dallas, Texas, and, you know, the first 30 brands I look for are sold out in your area, which is unlikely. Uh, Number one, it has to be available. Yep. Number two, it has to be a brand that I think fits your uh, personality. Um, there are some people that are really nervous going into this, really fearful. And I have to find a franchise that's most appropriate to support somebody that has a great mentorship program. Most franchises do, but some franchises are better with handholding, if you know what I mean. Getting people really comfortable. So I can obviously go on and on on that, but. Well, Lance, what are the biggest mistakes you see people make? Because I can imagine this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? When you're starting to kind of talk through the criteria and, you know, what people's propensity for risk is and, you know, and, and those sorts of things. So what are some of like the biggest mistakes that you see people make when they're going through this process? Well, I think when when people are really honest with me in the first place, uh, I'll make sure they don't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could tell you that there are people that jump into a franchise because they think it's right for them. It fits the image of whatever it is they're looking to achieve and they hate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the franchise. It's just not for them. And, you know, they thought it was for them. And these aren't necessarily people that I've placed, but I have placed people in the past that, you know, sort of had that buyer's remorse and it. and, And it's kind of shocking sometimes because, you know, people tell me, no, 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 I'm good with that. I, I, I love doing sales. <laughs> and their assessment comes back and says that they're good, that sales are fine for them. But then somewhere along the way, there's a disconnect that they don't like getting up in the morning and, and doing business development and doing sales. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some brands that are incredible at lead generation. I have a brand called College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving. Yep, we have one of those in Cincinnati. <laughs> yep. There you go. Well, college hunks, last I recall, 80% of the business for an average franchisee comes through their search engine optimization. I mean, you ladies know everything about marketing and branding. Search engine optimization and uh, their national call center. You know, somebody somebody finds them. They're geofencing. Somebody opens yep. their phone and says, I have to move. I need movers. And they f- either call the call center, they put it, send an inquiry in to college hunks and, and, and forward it to the appropriate franchisee or even field the phone call for that matter. But so, you know, again, if people don't want to do a certain amount of heavy lifting with sales, they don't have to. I just have to find the right franchise for them. So the matching becomes very important, but Really, it, it all comes down to, again, like dating, 
like finding your spouse, there are many different steps here. But this is a lot more rigorous process. We all know that person that gets married right away, and you're wondering, do they know what they're getting themselves into? (laughs) Well, franchising is a little bit different because there are quite a few steps. Now, if you get involved in a smaller brand, then you might be talking to the founder in the first phone call. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then guess who your second phone calls with? Probably still the founder (laughs) and someone else that helps them with training. And then the third phone call, same thing. And and you get into the franchise disclosure document. The discovery day is going to see the same founder and members of their team. But what's really, really, really critical, I would say, is when you have an opportunity to do validation, which is defined as talking to existing franchisees and essentially validating everything you've heard and read thus far, validating the items that are in the franchise disclosure document, being able to ask questions of existing franchisees, and tell me, would you do this over again? Mm -hmm. Are you making money? Are you happy? And and some of it's easy to tell. Like I have a UK-based dessert concept I'm bringing to the US. We set them up for franchising, and we're going to run them across the country and sell their franchises. One of the things I found out about them early on is they have many franchisees that own more than one location. Mm. That is an incredible sign of health. Yep. Mm -hmm. That not only did you do it once, you did it again. Mm -hmm. And that's where the marriage comparison ends, by the way. (laughs) So, at least in the state of Ohio. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, needless to say, That validation piece is so important that you take your time. You talk to multiple franchisees. I had a guy that said, I have to make a certain amount of money a year. And I said, well, when you go through validation, because the earnings claim in the franchise disclosure document doesn't tell you all that you're looking for, ask franchisees. If you can't validate with franchisees what you're looking for, then it might not happen for you and it might not be the right franchise for you. So, and I help people with those questions. I help people with questions. Uh, I, I have no problem. I tell people, tell my candidates all the time. If you want me on the phone with you, with a brand, it would be my pleasure to be there. Like I have, I have uh, uh, two couples that want to get in the painting business in Texas and they're on with the largest painting franchise today. It's called Certipro, Certipro mm-hmm. Painters. Mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. very big brand, fantastic numbers. They're doing, uh, what are they doing today? They're doing the franchise, the FDD review call, where they're reviewing. They've all reviewed the documents. Now they're coming back with questions today to review everything. So there's a very rigorous process that most brands take Uh, through this, uh, through the whole franchising process. So there shouldn't be much mystery. If there's a mystery, there's a problem. (laughs) And we have to circle back and figure out what we missed. Yeah. And I think all of that speaks to our fourth point here, which is doing your due diligence once you land on 
the franchise you think you want. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, if you try it, just like anything else in life, if you try to shortchange the process or it sounds too good to be true, all of those are recipes for disaster. And so I think you make a really good point, which is it's not just to snap your fingers and suddenly you own a Jimmy John's, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like really making sure that it's the right fit for all of the right reasons. And then I also think the reality of the situation has to be part of it too. And Lance, you and I talked about this and this really struck me, you know, go in and work in the business. You know, like you say, talk to the franchisees that exist, you know, look for signs. But I, you know, I also think just a big part of getting your hands dirty alongside with the work you like to do, Lance, is getting in there and making sure you like it and you feel like you're, you'd be proud of it or, you know, you would want your kids to work there someday, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's a restaurant or whatever the case might be. And, and I think the other piece is, taking the pressure off of yourself that it doesn't have to be exactly the way it is forever because I think that can be a lot of the paralysis that happens like you said people are really nervous going into some of these steps in the process it's like okay well if you buy the franchise you know you don't have to run the day-to-day forever and ever or you know if you're really looking to own a bunch of stores and you can't feasibly do that right now we'll buy the one and then work toward getting there and so that's all great stuff. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things we talk about all the time, no matter what type of marketing you're doing is take the next step. Don't try to take all the steps at one mm-hmm. time. And I think this just perfectly exemplifies that. And I think it also has to get people feeling more comfortable, but also feeling like there aren't going to be any surprises because they've done all the right things to, to feel like, yes, this is the right fit for me for right now. And so now I'm going to make the leap, not just, hey, this dropped in my lap and I'm going to do it. Yep. No, that's, that's all great stuff. And, and, you know, I had a gentleman recently that came to me, he was looking for something for his son and his son was in his forties and the gentleman was in his sixties, I believe. Yeah. I'm sure sixties. And he had owned other franchises before, mainly restaurants. And his son had, you know, an interest in automotive. Mm. So it was an easy match. I mean, I have a huge automotive category and they went with a brand called Tint World, T-I-N-T World. And they, don't, they have services besides tinting, but an incredible brand with incredible profitability. And when the dad saw the numbers, he's like, whoa, because they, they disclosed them in the franchise disclosure document. They mm-hmm. did the discovery day. They went down live in Florida, even though it was during, you know, still during a pandemic, but it was, you know, they, they went down to see what was going on and participated in discovery day with other people. And and it felt right. Mm-hmm. And it it just felt right. They knew the profitability was there. They got to see uh, what the stores were like. Uh, they talked to other franchisees. So it, you know, again, it's got to fit. It mm-hmm. is, I, I go back to the marriage thing. It, it is in a way like that in that it feels right. And it's, there are many, there are many steps where you get to look at yourself in the mirror and go, was that just a red flag? Mm-hmm. Should I proceed with this? Yep. Should I stop? I mean, I had a major brand salon brand that they they were selling off some older stores that somebody screwed up and I had somebody that wanted to buy them. Well, when it came to validation, they could not validate their business plan that they developed. They knew they'd have to put more money into these old stores they were getting for cheap to remodel, get them up to speed. Yep. Use a lot of working capital. And guess what? They called me and said, Lance, we talked to the head of development and you know, 
we can't validate the numbers. You told us I need to be able to validate these numbers. And I said, they said, what do, what do I do? I said, we find you another brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and I did. And by the way, funny story, he became a franchisee. They liked him so much that he ended up becoming the co-CEO of the brand. That's fun. That's awesome. Yep. It was good stuff. Mm, good. Put the exclamation point on our point there. I like it. So you are you are quite the little matchmaker. It has, definitely sounds like so. That, that, that could turn into another franchise. <laughs> it takes some time, but I love doing it. Yeah, it's obvious. That's awesome. All right. So just to recap, how to find the franchise that's right for you are four key points. Get clear on why you want to have a franchise. What is that core motivation? Choose the role you'll play in the franchise. What will you do or not do in the day to day? Great criteria that'll help you decide the type of franchise. There's so many more options out there than you think, and you might not even know the right one is in existence. And finally, do your due diligence. Get in the weeds, experience the ins and outs for yourself. And as Lance just said, look at yourself in the mirror and be honest about the experience you're having. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. So our next segment is in the trenches where we give real world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application so that anyone can digest and put them immediately into action. And so the first one we have here is how do I know if I'm cut out to run a franchise? And we've talked around this a lot today. And so I'm just going to call out a few key things. And I know Lance has some (laughs) as well. Um, The first one I would say is, do you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Have you always wanted to try something on your own? We've talked about being your, your own boss but you aren't quite sure you have the thing that would turn you into an entrepreneur, well, then this might be the perfect opportunity for you for that reason. Number two, do you have strong business acumen? So do you understand what it means to run a business? We've talked about that really being the core of what we're talking about here. Like, do you have enough sense about you that if you get to be your own boss, you're going to have those instincts and perhaps some of those experiences that you really get at the you know base level, what it means to own and run a business. And then finally, do you have the desire to learn and be humble in doing so? I think a lot of the risk that comes when people say they want to be an entrepreneur, especially if they've had an entire successful career before that, is they think because they've done something else really well that they can do something new really well. And that's just not the case. So all the points we've set up here speak to a process that's pretty rigorous. We encourage everyone to go through that no matter how much experience you have in other ways or other places. But then also take the advice from the people that are doing it right now, whether that's Lance or that's people that are inside the franchises that you're looking at. You know, make sure that you ask the right questions and you really hear what they're saying so that you're set up for success because this is a brand new thing you're going to do. Wonderful. It's amazing how many people I talk to one time. They sound so excited. They are obviously interested in interested in an opportunity, and they get so excited. They ask great questions, and I never, 
ever after that first phone call can get them on the phone again. Hmm. Huh. Why do you think that is? Or what's the, the reason? Pattern? Well, the reason is, and I know the answer. The reason is people, especially when it's their, we call it first trip to the rodeo, first time they've ever looked at business opportunities. They get super excited like they should be. And they get off the phone with me and they go immediately to their spouse or their best mm-hmm. friend or their kids or their grandkids or their grandmother, depending on their age. And what do you think most of those people say to them? You're crazy. Yeah, not a good idea. You know, all the things Bingo. that can go wrong, all the Bingo. risk. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. Both of you. <laughs> what are you nuts? What are you crazy? You don't have any money. You've never run your own business. So a lot of times they 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 retreat and I stay in touch with them. And sometimes I get some of those people back on the phone pretty quickly and others realize right away, they do get back to me and they say, you know, I'm scared. Some of them don't even say I'm scared. They say, you know, now's not the right time. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I get it. It's all, it's all of those things. You know, it's a combination of fear. Maybe they don't have all the own, their own money that they need, but you know, the, the system is set up. Anybody can own a franchise, anybody. However, the majority of America won't do it because there's work involved. Now, I don't want to hear any groans out there. What is this guy saying about us? He doesn't know me. The reality is it's there's work involved. Mm-hmm. You know, every great entrepreneur, it's all over the internet. The entrepreneur is the one that has to give up the party, that has to give up the night out because he or she is working. Yep. So if I launch a business, which I have many times, uh, I'm working sometimes 14 hours a day, maybe even more in the very beginning. When, what would I have been doing if I didn't have that business? Drinking a beer with my hand in my pants like Al Bundy? What, what, what TV show was that? Married, Married with, with children. Married with children, yep. Dating myself. But, you know, it, it's it's just, there are many options and choices we all have in life. But truly, anybody that chooses to be an entrepreneur, I can find a franchise for you. But the first step is all about, again, defining what it is you want and what are you willing to do to build that dream of yours. You know, a lot of people tell me, well, I don't just want to trade my job for a job. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a great question. A yep. great, it, it's more of a comment than a question because I look back at them and I go, well, if you're lucky enough to work for Google or Starbucks in the early days where you got company stock, that was phenomenal as an employee. But most companies don't necessarily work like that, yep. especially, especially these days. So when you're a W-2 employee, all you have is a paycheck. You leave, you have nothing. Well, guess what? I gave you an example earlier. One example. I can give you tons of examples. When you go to sell, your business is worth, typically in the franchise world, we say three to five times your cash flow. So you could buy a franchise, as I mentioned earlier, for $68,000. And I think I mentioned earlier, I did mention earlier, the record was $1.6 million for that franchise. But you don't even have to sell it for that much. I mean, that would be wonderful. But $68,000 franchise, what if you could sell it for $300,000? Mm-hmm. 
you don't have that opportunity to make 300,000 when you leave your job. And, and not to mention when you master your position as a franchisee, as an owner, when you understand and learn how to delegate and work through other people over time, which there is a skill that has to be uh, developed, well, then all of a sudden you have more time to do the things that you choose to do, you know? And then all of a sudden you can grow and scale your franchise. I have friends that are working on their third franchise brand at the same time. They didn't sell the others. They're working on their third brand. What else can I do? Because I've already mastered two other franchises. There's no other development to be done. You can no longer get, let's say, a McDonald's in certain areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what else can I do with my money and my time? I need another franchise. I don't want to sell any of these. So there are a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of options. And all of it starts with a phone call to me, plain and simple. Good little plug for yourself there, Lance. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, this actually leads nicely into the, the next question in, in some regards, which is someone's approached me to buy into a franchise. How do I know if it's worth it? And I think some of the comments you just made really apply here. And I think we all have examples of people having done this, right? At some point, you've known someone who's done it, and they jump in because they think it's all fun. Mm -hmm. And so they swing, I think, sometimes the other way, which you just talked about, you know, you leave your job, and people don't want just another job, or this looks like an escape, or it seems to have dropped in their lap, and it feels like the perfect time, and you know they're going to own their own show and be their own boss and all these shiny things. And yeah. I, I think the problem with that, and you know, especially when it's someone approaching them, is that they don't do the due diligence, right? So I remember distinctly, and I was a kid, I was probably like 11 or 12, and my parents hung out with these same three other couples all the time, right? And so one of the couples had an idea to buy a pizza franchise that wasn't in Cincinnati at the time, but to try to bring it to Cincinnati, right? So, you know, my parents were like, no, 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 no. And another couple was like, no way. And so two of the couples went into business together. And long story short, within a year, the franchise was shut down. They were no longer friends. They wouldn't even be in the same room together. And I mean, that's a, a little bit of an extreme thing, right? But I remember being like, man, they're like BFFs. What the heck happened there? And pizza seems fun. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's what we're <laughs> trying to prove here, right? It's like, you don't just do it because someone asks you to do it. It's just like anything else in life. It's not going to be this like silver bullet where all of a sudden you're going to make all this money. If you don't spend the time figuring out if it's all the things we talked about, right for you, the right time for it, the right match for you, all of those things, it just becomes another thing that you think is going to, you know, you're just going to on a whim do and it's going to lead to success for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the matching is crucial and, and, and the partnerships, that's a whole other animal. I've made enough mistakes with partnerships in my <laughs> lifetime and it's not just my wife, ex-wife, but my <laughs> business partners. And you know, I had a gentleman recently, his parents in California own one franchise pizza place, one. Hmm. And they've had it a really long time. I want to say probably 15 years now. Wow. And they're very successful. They're very hands-on. They've only done one. They never did more. 
They put the kids through college. They, they, they make great money out of that one franchise pizza shop. And he came to me and he ended up uh, doing uh, a massage concept. He was a licensed massage therapist himself, and he's, he's really into that. So he followed his passion and said, you know, I, I'd love to be able to do this and get into the right massage business after exploring many. But, you know, again, that's just another example. I can give you countless examples of, you know, how people, most people are going to end up, if I think of recent deals that we've done, most people ended up getting into something they never expected to get into. Mm. But it became a a business model Mm -hmm. that did fit exactly what they were looking for and more. Um, You know, and in some cases, their investment level was lower than anticipated because they got into an industry that, let's say, they didn't really know much about. But when you have management or leadership experience it translates to anything in the franchise world because, as I mentioned earlier, the procedures, the systems, the support, the technology, it's already been worked out. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all aspects in, of business. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. Mm-hmm. It's plug and play. So someone just needs to come to the table with some sort of you know, communication skills, leadership ability. And if you don't have all of those things that maybe a franchisor is looking for, depending on your area, depending on their mentorship program, in most cases, you can develop that. I've worked with countless people in the restaurant business. I was already a restaurant operator before I ever opened a Wingstop restaurant. So I had a leg up. Mm -hmm. But there were multiple attorneys for whatever it was, for whatever reason, that became franchisees of Wingstop. They didn't know anything about the <laughs> restaurant business. Right. Did it did it take them a little time? Of course it took them a little time. But they eventually were fantastic because they paid attention. They were smart. They, you know, they became lawyers. There's they have something going for them, right? Mm-hmm. No lawyer jokes out there. I'm sure people are snickering about that right now. Oh, we, so we, we it, throw them under the bus all the time. I come from a family of a father and a brother who are lawyers, so don't don't. Oh, worry. there you go. <laughs> there you go. So you know, so that's really my point. You, regardless of whether you have experience in the industry or not, I would say 95% of my franchises in the description, it will say no industry experience necessary. Mm-hmm. Now there are some very sort of contractor specific brands out there where it'll say things like it would be nice if somebody had some experience but not necessary. Yeah, I th- I think you make a, a really a lot of good points there and it's you know the really the way we talk about entrepreneurship in total, right? So many things translate. And so you just you need these fundamental experiences or just inherent qualities in you, but it doesn't mean you need to have worked in that specific industry or done that job before any of those things. Because if you have the aptitude, you can learn those other things as long as you're open to learning, right? So I think, yes, surface value, people are like an an attorney and a bunch of them actually went and owned wing stops. What the heck were they thinking? It doesn't look like it (laughs) makes sense. But, you know, they've obviously done the path to figure out that, like, this is actually the right fit for me. And then on the other side, the willingness to learn new skills, learn the business, all of those types of things, it just becomes another experience you have in life, not that you have to start from the bottom and rebuild all of your skill sets. 
Yeah, there are quite a few investor types that I know when they were younger, they got into a franchise because it taught them business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there were, uh, again, attorneys that I knew that did that, that didn't know anything about business. They got into a franchise. What do you think they did after the franchise? They bought more franchises, <laughs> but then they felt comfortable about starting their own brands. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's what seems to be the pattern where, you you know, the serial entrepreneur in you starts to come out because now you've built confidence and a certain self-esteem that, hey, I can do this. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, what you guys are highlighting is really the mindset, yep. too, that's, that's yep. really necessary to um, to go after something like this because uh, we have this conversation a lot of time because when we got in, me and my husband, we own real estate. So we, we, we did the other pillar. Um, but now you're kind of getting me thinking about franchising versus real estate, but um, so you're doing, <laughs> you're your, doing job your job really well. But um, you know, that, that being said, like everybody said the same thing, you guys are crazy. How could you put, you know, your money at risk and this and that and the other, it's like, you know, it's a whole new way of wealth management and growing wealth that is Oh, it's, it's kind of funny that because it's it's such a like hard wall between somebody who has grown up in a corporate environment and like they work until they're like 60. So then they can retire and they can pull off their, you know, their retirement, and their 401k versus like building wealth outside of the, those like structured environments. And, you know, once you kind of get into that environment, you kind of see how it all works and you see that there's process for doing your due diligence, for checking your numbers, for evaluating whether or not it's a good deal. A lot of that fear and that trepidation and that risk starts to kind of like melt away, especially when you have really excellent consultants like you are, Lance, to help guide them through this process. And then you look at it, you're like, I wish somebody would have told me this years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wish I'm like, exactly. you know, I didn't like stock all my money in my 401k where it's not liquid and I can't do anything with it until I'm 59 and a half, you know? I mean, that for me, that's still like 14 years away. That's like three quarters of my PNG career before I can actually even like use my PNG money. Well, still guess away, what? Right? You, you, you just mentioned something uh, wonderful. There is something called a ROBS, a rollover business startup loan, which is pulling money out of your 401k and using it for a real estate investment or for a franchise investment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically they set you up a third, third party intermediary will set you up a, um, a C corporation. And it's basically a new retirement account. And that's how purposes. I got my first property. That's how I bought my first property. Look at that. You yep. see, I knew you knew that. <laughs> but so, those are things I had no idea yeah, because we just kept sitting there going, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I think it's, it's having a different mindset for how to manage your money. Mm-hmm. You know, and where the money comes from, like the biggest conversation we have, and I know I'm getting way off the rails, but I'm on my soapbox for just another second, <laughs> is like all no the worries. all the equity people build up in their house and they just sit on it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you can, you're, you're sitting on like a suitcase of money that you'll never see unless you sell the house or die. And then you still right. won't see it. Your kids will see it. Why aren't you not using that equity in your house? I don't want to put my house at risk. I'm like... Do you realize these HELOCs are 30-year HELOCs? Like, you only have to pay interest on them and for like 30, until 30 years. You're not going to figure out in the next 30 years how to pay back that HELOC, really? And that's a whole equity line of credit for those folks. I'm sorry. But I'm yeah. like, you know, these are like these things that if you actually took a second to invest in, in, in understanding, similar to this whole franchise model, you'll see a whole new world open up that you're just like, oh, that's how these people are making money. And it's yep. it's really fascinating. So I'm loving that you're saying it, all this. It, yeah, the, the the cash flow. I, I mean, look, if you have an interest, and we have our first phone call, I don't care whether it takes you five years to pull the trigger on your first franchise. 
I love being helpful. And there are people I talk to for years. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to a couple that are fantastic for like two years. They still haven't pulled the trigger. Nicest people in the world. Things keep getting in the way. Mm-hmm. They have plenty of young kids at home. Will it ever change? Will they pull the trigger? I don't know. They could, but I, I'm just happy to be a resource and help. And, you know, it was Anthony Robbins that uh, I believe once said, model success. What can you see where you can see success and, and how can you model it? And that's what franchising all, it, it's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, it's too late to get a McDonald's. It's pretty much too late to get a Wingstop anywhere. Uh, and I got in before anybody, you know, I had friends tell me, what is that place? Because nobody heard of it by then. It was too early. Um, but there are still plenty of brands that maybe you haven't heard of that have enough territory that you can certainly see that you can model that success from existing franchisees. I have a car wash brand. I've never seen anything like this. It's the first evolution of car washes in how many years? Because car washes haven't changed in years. Right. And they're taking advantage of not only technology and waterless technology and what have you. Amazing. You know, because at the end of the day, it's 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 about re-engineering what we already have and improving our lives. Yep. Speed, speed, of course. Look what Amazon's done to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this is all a really good sum up to the things that we've talked about today because the actual title of the episode is Franchising the Gateway to Entrepreneurship. And so I think that the conversation today has outlined, yes, the process, but also the way in which this can lead to a much bigger journey. I mean, just like with the attorney example, right? It's like they were attorneys. And then they own a franchise and then all of a sudden they're comfortable buying up a bunch of them and then starting their own brand, right? So I think this is a really good way to think about business in a different way than you typically do. And, you know, even the the tangent a little bit about the the financing, right? I mean, I think hopefully we've opened everyone's eyes to the fact that there's a lot of different avenues to take and a lot of different opportunities and once you start exploring, you start to peel back the layers of where those opportunities are and what they look like. And so with that, um, let's go to our third and final segment, which is typically a real world example of a brand who's doing this well or not so well. I guess it's brand adjacent in this case. But Lance, you know, you've done a really awesome job of, of talking about your role and, and where you play and just your desire to help people. So we'll give it over to you to make any last comments and make sure you tell people how they can find you, where they can find you, you know, other information you might have out there, like you mentioned, you know, your assessment. Just just tell us a little bit more about how for those folks out there there or even the ends of the world who are now like, hmm, maybe I need a franchise. Yeah, you, <laughs> how do we talk you'll, to you'll you? get an email from me. I yeah, yeah I could get it. Uh, I pay very good <laughs> referral fees, even if it's to you. <laughs> So, you know, one thing I I do want to add to everything as I'm thinking in terms of what do we not cover today? And and, and it's really just further emphasizing for those people out there that have a pretty large comfort zone, but have an interest. Let me assure you that I'll find a brand or two or 10 that do fit you Mm. in in all ways, because there are still people out there, I'm sure, thinking, well, I want a real estate franchise, or I want this, or I want, you know, there are so many categories of franchises. Um, I mean, there are today probably about 3,500 franchises, and I will help you sift through all that so you don't have to get a large headache uh, 
But if you have a desire, if you have the will, uh, I have the way, and I'm happy to help you. Uh, as far as where to find me, uh, ionfranchising.com, I-O-N, franchising.com. I just launched my podcast last Friday. It launched. It's also called, thank you, ladies. Thank you. I appreciate the cheering section. <laughs> and that is called Ion Franchising, like your I actually, E-Y-E on franchising. And uh, that only only launched on Apple Podcasts to start strategically. Mm. And within two weeks, we will launch on every other platform. We're getting an amazing amount of traction. And uh, I've had some great brands on. It's all about talking to founders, CEOs of brands, funding folks, and of course, franchisees. So people get to hear all of it. We're going to cover it all from A to Z. Awesome. So that's Ion Franchising. My assessment I mentioned earlier, also on the website at ionfranchising.com, I-O-N franchising.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lance. Like I said, I think this has been a wealth of knowledge. This is a topic that's somewhat adjacent to what we typically cover, but I think it's yes, our podcast we can talk about whatever we well, want. Well, and I, but I mean, I think it's 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 a well, we're expanding, which is good. But also, I think it's just a really interesting, eye-opening topic that I think people don't always think about, or if mm-hmm. they do, they quickly dismiss it for one reason or another. So, therefore, the importance of having the show and the luck of finding Lance as a guest and an expert in this space. So we appreciate you joining us. Lucky Lance at your service. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, I'm just going to recap how to find the franchise that's right for you. Number one, get clear on why you want the franchise. What is the core motivation? Choose the role you're going to play. What will you do or not day to day? Create criteria that'll help you decide the type of franchise. There are many more options than you ever have known or would ever think of. So do your work to find the right one. And and finally, do your due diligence. Get in the weeds. Experience the ins and outs of the business for yourself to make sure it's the right fit. And with that, we will say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here, and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend, and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.